Today's episode is brought to you by Hue Kitchen. Hue is a family-founded chocolate and stacking company focused on creating products that match ultra-simple ingredients with unbeatable taste. Built on a strong mission to help people get back to human, Hue only uses simple, real, and reasonably sourced ingredients. Hue obsessively vets every single ingredient to unite unbeatable taste with unmatched simplicity. They go beyond what is easy and expected to ensure that their products and practices are ethical and put both humanity and the human body first. All of Hue's products are gluten-free, dairy-free, refined sugar-free, and are heavily processed. I'm a big fan of their simple dark chocolate, which is the perfect snack while I'm watching a race. But if you're more of a salty person, they have an assortment of grain-free crackers. So for all of your snacking needs, use POD for 15% off. Your next purchase at HughKitchen.com. That's code POD, P-O-D, for 15% off at HughKitchen.com. And find out why Hue helps people get back to human. Welcome to Relapse, the podcast racing you through F1 history. I'm your host, Deanna, and today we have part three and the final episode of the 1978 season. If you're new here, I highly suggest going back to episode one and learn about the teams and the drivers, then episode two and three covers the first 10 races of the season. All right, a quick reminder where we're at. After the first 10 rounds, the top five in the driver standings are Andretti is leading for Lotus, followed by his teammate Peterson. Reutemann is in third for Ferrari. Lauda's in fourth for Brabham. And Depaye is in fifth for Tyrrell. For the constructors, Lotus has a pretty commanding lead on second place Brabham, who's ahead of Ferrari, followed by Tyrrell and McLaren. Without further ado, let's jump into the 11th round of the season in West Germany. It's the end of July and we are at Hockenheim for the German Grand Prix. The biggest news going into this race was that Schechter announced he would be leaving Wolf for Ferrari, rumored to be replacing Villeneuve. But during practice, ironically enough, he was doing much better in his Wolf than either Ferrari who was just having a rough go of it. Out of the two Michelin teams, Renault was outpacing the Ferrari. The Lotuses were dominant in practice per usual, with Andretti taking pole, beating the prior year's pole time by 1.2 seconds. His teammate Peterson came in second. Lauda qualified third for Brabham. Schechter was in fourth for Wolf. Watson in fifth for Brabham. Jones in sixth for Williams, who was starting to become an established front runner. Lafitte in seventh for Ligier. Hunt in eighth for McLaren. Jabui in ninth for Renault, and Fittipaldi rounding out the top 10 for Copper Sukar. For the race, it is hot, hotter than it has been all weekend, dry and sunny, and we're going 45 laps around Hockenheim. There was drama before the race even started with Reutemann going back to the pits for the backup car with smoke coming out of the back of his Ferrari, and his future teammate Schechter. His wolf was making some questionable noises, and as the race started, he got swallowed up and ended up all the way in the back of the pack and part of the reason for this was the race organizers turned the light green before the second half of the grid had even took their positions leading to some chaos towards the back of the grid with Stomelin ramming into the back of Depaye and that ended the day for the Tyrrell once again. Andretti led from pole with Peterson close behind, and before the first lap was even over, Andretti braked late and his teammate was able to get past him for the lead. So after the first lap, we had the normal Lotus 1-2, but at least it was the reverse order. 
exciting. I know. Um, Lauda was in third. Jones took advantage of Schechter's early struggles and got past Watson for fourth, with Schechter trundling along in the back. Jones continued to capitalize on the pace of the Williams and managed to get past the reigning world champion Lauda for third on the third lap, while further up front, Peterson obeyed team orders and had let Andretti through for the lead. Schechter was ready to call it a day, still running towards the back. When his engine decided it was ready to go, started running smoothly, and he was able to carve his way through the field, as was Jabui and the Renault, who had lost some ground on the opening laps to 13th, but had recovered all the way to 6th in only 6 laps before his engine pulled its normal party trick, and he was done. That, though, gave Schechter yet another place, and he made it all the way to ninth by only the 10th lap, with a little bit of help from his future teammate also retiring in the spare Ferrari. He gained another place when Lauda's engine called it quits, and on track he was able to make quick work of the field passing Peroni, Villeneuve, and Lafitte. This meant Hunt was in fourth, and Schechter had made it all the way back up to fifth, but a puncture forced Hunt to pit the McLaren. Unfortunately, along the way, he decided to try to take a shortcut, which the marshal didn't, marshals didn't like very much, and handed him a disqualification just like Stomlin had gotten earlier in the race. So Schechter was now in fourth, and on lap 29, sadly, Jones's Williams was headed for the pits with an overheated fuel system, and then Schechter's day got even better when on lap 34 the lotus of peterson started to fall off the pace of his teammate he dragged that car around for a couple more laps until it just completely broke down meaning miraculously Schechter had inherited second not too much would happen from there andretti took his fifth win of the season with Schechter's amazing recovery putting him in second, Lafitte was in third, Fittipaldi had a good showing for fourth, Peroni was in fifth, and Hector Reebok in his maiden points finish finished for Team Reebok. Um, he drives for his own privately owned team, financed by his dad, who owns a very successful Mexican car dealership and had invested in a Lotus 78. He had a grand old time this race. He spun early, lost three places, but he did make them all back up against a usually pretty strong Patrese, Watson, and Villeneuve, although they were having issues of their own. Nonetheless, a triumphant moment for Reebok. Hopefully I'm saying that right. Sorry if I'm not. For my driver of the day, it has to be Schechter. He thought his day was over on the warm-up lap and somehow made it all the way to the second step of the podium. And for that, I'm going to give my race rating a six and a half out of 10 because that in itself was exciting enough. And it wasn't another Lotus 1-2, um, but most of the issues that, that came through were just with cars overheating. And finally, did Renault finish no, of course not, but it was a very impressive six laps, I will admit. And that is it for round 11. All right, we are at the, I'm going to mess this up, Osterreich ring. It's now the Red Bull ring. I'm going to call it the Red Bull ring from now on. I'm just not even going to go through that anymore. So we're there. We're here. Austrian Grand Prix. Here we go. Cast your mind all the way back to the fourth round at the USA West GP at Long Beach. 
And that was the time when Don Nichols, shadow owner and former former CIA agent, filed a lawsuit against the Aeros team for copying the designs of their car. Well, the decision from that lawsuit is in, and the British courts ruled in favor of Shadow, stating that Eros, all former Shadow's members, possessed and unlawfully used the designs, in that more than 40% of the Eros FA1 design pattern matched the Shadow DN9. The Eros car was banned, and knowing that was probably going to happen, the Eros team was working on a new car, the A1, which they built in only 52 days, and it debuted three days after the court ruling, just in time for the Austrian GP. The only notable thing from qualifying was in the final practice session on Saturday, the clouds were low, the rain was coming, and there was a parachutist scheduled for entertainment for the spectators. And because of the low cloud cover, the organizers thought it had been canceled, but there was some miscommunication along the line. And as practice was starting, the parachutist appeared through the clouds and was headed straight towards the circuit where cars were already out on the track. So practice had to be halted and resumed a little bit later. So with that, Lotus again, one, two, but this time Peterson took his 14th pole position and Andretti was second. Jabui for Renault was in third, probably highlight of the season. Reutemann was in fourth for Ferrari. Lafitte was in fifth for Ligier. Fittipaldi in sixth for Copper Sukar. Schechter in seventh for Wolf. Hunt in eighth for McLaren. Peroni in ninth for Tyrrell. Watson in tenth for Brabham. The clouds are looming. It's starting to drizzle and we're going 54 laps around the Osterreich. It's the Red Bull ring. The rain wasn't hard enough to warrant wet tires, so everyone was starting on slicks, and Peterson led from pole with Reutemann splitting the two Lotuses, and Andretti tried to get back at the Ferrari, making an optimistic move around the outside, which didn't go very well. He went off the track sideways into the barriers, and the hopes of another Lotus 1-2 was done in just a couple corners. Further back, Depaye had a spectacular start going from 13th to 3rd on the grid after that little incident, while Jabui had the opposite luck in the run out falling from 3rd to 8th. So after just the first lap, Peterson had a commanding lead ahead of Schechter, Depaye, Reutemann, Hunt, Lafitte, Peroni, Watson, and Jabui. It became clear very quickly that the Slick tires were no longer cutting it. Cars were slipping off the track left and right. Both Ferraris had little moments. Villeneuve actually pulled off a full 360 degree spin with a little help from the barrier. The Renault had a moment, as did Schechter, who spun into the path of Andretti's wrecked Lotus, which took him out for the day. Car was smoking. He was fine. At that point, cars started to pit for wet tires, one of them being Peroni, who went for a spin on his own and took off his front wing. And on lap seven, only we are only on lap seven, the race was red flagged. Funny enough, on the way back to the pits, after the red flag came out, the leader, Peterson, spun, got stuck in the grass, but the marshals were able to push him back out. Under red flag conditions, the teams weren't allowed to change to their spare cars, but repairs and adjustments for wet weather racing, tires, etc. were allowed. Now, technically, 
only cars that were able to get back to the pits under their own power should have been allowed to restart the race, meaning Patrese's new Arrow A1 should have been ruled out, but in all the commotion from the red flags and the rain, all of it, the Arrow snuck their car back to the pits, made the repairs, and he lined up with everyone else on the restart. Marshalls didn't even notice. The restart took the positions from the end of lap seven, so Peterson was still in first, ahead of Depaye, Watson, Lafitte, and Peroni rounding out the top five. At the restart, karma quickly came for the Aeros team after Watson's problem stalled. Patrese, in an attempt to avoid him, crashed into the back of the backmarker and he was out. Also in that same lap, Hunt was limping back to the pits after coming off worse in an altercation with another backmarker, breaking his suspension, while Jones came in right behind him, ruining his car after going off-roading and smacking into the barrier in the process. After all of that, Peterson had a significant lead on Lada, who had made his way past Depaye, and Reutemann was bringing up fourth. At this point, the rain was done, the dry line on the track was emerging, and people started pitting for slicks, except the front runners who were taking weird lines through the wet parts of the track and into in an attempt to keep their tires cool. Peterson was the first of the front runners to pit, and he did so on lap 11. Yes, we are only one-fifth of the race distance. And he was followed by Lauda into the pits, so Reutemann inherited the lead. Oh, on a side note, so the final race results will be an aggregate of the first and second parts of the race. And in the first race, Reutemann finished two laps down, so... When I say first, I mean, insert air quotes, first. Anyway, that was the highlight of his day. He pitted on lap 16 and came back out to a very short-lived third, but spun once again, got help rejoining the race, so was subsequently disqualified. Everyone starts taking turns going into the pits for dry tires, but Peroni went on a little off-track adventure on his way back to the pits, and did enough damage to his car, so he was out. Out of all the runners, Villeneuve, who was leading the race, was the last to pit, so gave the lead back up to Peterson on lap 21. Now, Peterson led from Lauda, who was desperately trying to close the gap to the Lotus, but maybe a little too desperate, and while passing a back marker, dipped a wheel in the grass, lost control, damaged his rear suspension, and his race was over. Now, Peterson led from Villeneuve, but close behind the Ferrari were Stuck and Depaye. The trio remained pretty close, and after that battle, Depaye won out, Stuck got stuck <laughs> in the grass, I, I hated that too, and he was out. So the order now was Peterson from Depaye, Villeneuve, and Derek Daly, who was in only his second F1 start for the backmarker ensign team. But his moment in the sun was short-lived for he was the next one to go for a spin in what looked to be like the ditch. Um, the marshals were able to get him back out, but just like Rodeman, he was shown the black flags and disqualified for getting said help. Tombe was the last of the spinners and retired, and the race settled down from there. Regazzoni and Rosberg were only able to complete 90% of the race distance, so... 
when it was all said and done, there were only nine of 26 drivers classified as finishing the race, meaning that when the two race times were combined, Peterson took his 10th victory by over 47 seconds, with Depaye in second, Villeneuve taking his first ever podium finish in third, Fittipaldi came in fourth, and a second impressive showing in a row. Lafitte came in fifth and Brambilla for Surtees came in sixth. I know I haven't talked about Brambilla yet. Uh, He's been around for a few years and he does get on well at Austria. One of F1's one hit wonders. He won the Austrian GP in 75 after the race was ended at half distance due to the rain. And in his celebration on the cool down lap crashed into the pit wall cracked his front nose of his car, not his actual nose, um, but still managed to complete the cooldown lap, celebrating the whole way around. For the driver of the day, I'm going with Depaye. I was thinking about giving it to Peterson, but he did spin, albeit not during official race time. Uh, but Depaye kept his nose clean and keeps his reputation alive of being good in the wet. And for my race rating, I'm going to get it. give it an eight and a half out of 10, which I think is the highest one so far. I don't know. I'm kind of losing touch with my race rating. So (laughs) I might reconsider this one. Uh, Anyway, this had Germany 2019 vibes for sure. Just utter chaos and some impressive performances from the likes of Peterson and Depaye. And did Renault finish? Nope. Gearbox failed mid-race. I have no idea where he was, uh, but that third place qualifying was the highlight of the weekend and potentially the year. That is all for round 12. For the 13th round, we are in the Netherlands for the Dutch GP at Zandervoort. The major news going into this race was the 79 silly season was well underway. Peterson, sick of being number two at Lotus, had signed for McLaren as their new lead driver after Hunt had become disillusioned with the team and was looking elsewhere. Chapman offered Peterson more money to stay at Lotus after he got word of the deal, but there wasn't enough money to keep the Swede as a number two driver. That left Lotus with an open seat that Reutemann was happy to jump from the Ferrari ship to, not wanting to be teammates with Schechter, meaning Villeneuve would likely keep his seat with the Scuderia. For qualifying, Lotus dominated all three sessions, so nothing new there. But Andretti took pole six tenths over his teammate Peterson, with Lauda in third for Brabham, Reutemann in fourth for Ferrari, Villeneuve in fifth for Ferrari, Lafitte in sixth for Ligier, Hunt in seventh for McLaren, Watson in eighth for Brabham, Jabui in ninth for Renault, and Fittipaldi in tenth for Copper Sukar. It had rained early in the morning and winds had dragged sand across the track, but by the time the race was set to start, the track had dried but the winds were still going and we're going 75 laps around Xanderfort. The Lotuses led from the start in their usual formation, but Lafitte from sixth on the grid made the best start, passing both Reutemann and Lauda and had made his way up to third. However, behind, things didn't go so well. Patrese and Peroni crashed and they were entangled, ricocheted off the barriers and both ended up in the middle of the track. They're both fine. They're both able to get out. But by the time the rest of the grid made it back around, the marshals were only able to clear one of the cars, meaning that the arrows was still in the middle of the track. So the drivers were diving either side of him to get around. And on the second lap, the marshals tried to move the car out of the way again, 
but this time they moved it sideways, which made it even harder for the drivers to get around in what was pretty much like an F1 obstacle course, but eventually got towed out of the way. And after all this drama, the Lotuses had a predictable and commanding lead on third place Lauda, followed by Reutemann with Lafitte after his great start falling through the field, suffering an issue in the spare Lichier. His descent would continue and he would get overtaken by Watson, Fittipaldi, Villeneuve, and Jones. The front pack stayed relatively the same, but elsewhere, Rosberg beached himself in the dunes, Depay retired once again with a broken radiator, and a few more backmarkers retired with mechanical issues and getting stuck in the gravel trap. Up front, Andretti led Peterson, Lauda, and Reutemann, who was starting to struggle on his Michelin tires, and was no match for Fittipaldi and even his teammate Villeneuve, who was also starting to struggle. In the second half of the race, there was a glimmer of hope as Lauda got within three seconds of the Lodi, <laughs> trying to put on a challenge, but every time he got within a couple seconds, the Lotuses would push a little bit harder and leave him behind. Lauda would have his progress halted a little bit later. I've they're having to slam on his brakes to avoid a spinning back marker, and the headwind really wasn't doing him any favors. In the Lotus battle, Peterson, even knowing he wasn't going to be driving for the team next year, honored his contract, didn't challenge Andretti for the lead, and that was that. Andretti took yet another win with Peterson right behind, and Lauda finished up the podium positions. Watson came in fourth for Brabham, Fittipaldi, again with his third points finish in a row, came in fifth, and Villeneuve came in sixth for Ferrari. Lotus took their 71st win and at this point is now tied with Ferrari for the all-time winningest team. Even more importantly, they secured the 1978 World Constructors title. This is Lotus's seventh team title, and again at this point, the most in F1 history ahead of Ferrari's five. This is the seventh Constructors title for Lotus, who again, at this point, the most in F1 history, ahead of Ferrari's five. For my driver of the day, I'm going for Lada for staying close to the always untouchable Lodi. For my race rating, I'm going for a five out of 10. The beginning was just comical, but the rest of the race was relatively processional. And did Renault finish? <laughs> no, and I bet you can guess what uh, took him out. That's it for round 13. It's mid-September and we are at Monza for the Italian GP. The big thing going into this race was Andretti had the opportunity to clinch the world title at Monza. Andretti was an Italian immigrant into the U.S., so was racing under the American flag, but as a kid, grew up in Italy, and the first time he saw F1 cars as a kid was at Monza. So this was a pretty exciting time for him. In qualifying, Andretti took pole. Villeneuve was second. Jabui came third. Lauda was in fourth. Peterson was in fifth. And he had had engine problems all weekend, was out the majority of the practice sessions, and had to use the old Lotus 78, meaning he qualified, qualified well out of his typical place. Jones was in 6th, Watson was in 7th, Lafitte was in 8th, Schechter was in ninth, and Hunt was in 10th. The conditions for the race, it was warm, dry, sunny, and we're going what will be 40 laps around Monza. And I've been dreading this one, but uh, the race stopped almost as soon as it got started. 
not more than a few hundred feet, you see somebody hit a barrier and it just looks like this giant fireball and you just know it isn't going to be good. Uh, the end result was an about 11 car pile up. The car that was on fire was Peterson's Lotus. Hunt heroically rushed over and successfully pulled him out of the car, aided by Regazzoni. Um, but anyway, going back a little bit, what had happened was the signal was given way too early, just like it had earlier in the season at Germany. So the second half of the grid hadn't even gotten close to their starting positions before the green light was given. From all accounts after the race, Patrese was on the right-hand side of the pack trying to overtake Hunt. The arrows hit the McLaren, which put him into the path of Peterson's Lotus, which spun him across the road into the guardrail, where he was subsequently struck by Brambilla's Surtees. That was trying to avoid all of the chaos uh, on the right-hand side, which broke up the Lotus in a way that it just erupted into flames. Uh, Also involved were Reutemann, Peroni, Regazzoni, Depaye, Daly, Stuck, and Lunger, who were all close behind. There were just pieces of the car everywhere. Marshals and drivers huddled around... um, And in all the chaos, the police formed a human wall and prevented anyone from getting to the crash site, which crucially meant race doctor Sid Watkins couldn't get to any of the injured drivers. Stuck suffered a concussion. Uh, Peterson was conscious but had badly broken legs. And at the time, Brambilla looked in the worst condition with a pretty serious head injury after getting hit in the head by a wheel. Uh, But after... A delay of about 11 to 18 minutes, an ambulance finally made it to the scene to take the injured drivers. Brambilla and Stuck would recover from their injuries, but Peterson, after being taken to the medical tents, was given splints for his leg, then flown by helicopter to a local hospital a further 10 minutes away, where his x-rays showed he had 27 fractures between his legs and feet. At midnight, he was still stable, but by 4 a.m. on September 11th, he was declared brain dead. After developing a fat embolism, which is a rare condition that develops following the fracture of the thigh, and essentially from what I can understand, it's a blood clot that starved his brain of oxygen. Um, when something like this forms, I'm not a medical expert, but from everything I read, uh, the risk to the patient increases the longer they go untreated um so this was just just tragic all around Uh, it was a dark day for f1 and a reminder how dangerous it was and can still be and a testament to how precious life is and how quickly it can be taken um these drivers truly put their lives on the line um especially back then and at least nowadays the safety has improved and a lot of those improvements came as a result of this incident for the next race there would be a medical car following the field on the first lap so injured drivers can almost get immediate medical help um, which is something that potentially could have saved peterson Uh, in the following year the race would be started or all races would be started by an official from the FIA to avoid the same confusion. 
safety at Monza would be improved. There would be an improved fire extinguisher system in the cars. And eventually there would be permanent medical centers at each circuit. But all this happened after the race restarted. And it's pretty insane that they kept going in the midst of all of this, um, especially knowing the end result. Um, but at the time, both Brambilla and Peterson were conscious when they left the circuit. So in typical F1 fashion, the, the race kept going. The damage to the barriers was extensive and it wasn't completed until 5.15. The original race start time was 3.30. When 19 cars left the pits for the grid, but only 18 made it there, with Schechter losing control of his steering and slammed into the barriers, destroying his wolf and the barriers, he was he was okay and able to keep going in the race in a spare car. Again, kind of insane that he was allowed to do that. Um, but the race was delayed for yet another 45 minutes to fix that damage. And in that time, the race distance was shortened from 52 to 40 laps. It was getting late. The sun was going to set. So the race still covered three quarters of the normal race distance. So it would count for full championship points. The cars lined up on the grid and this time the officials learned their lesson and the starter waited for everyone to line up, but Villeneuve and Andretti on the front row were getting antsy and edging forwards before Villeneuve just went for it. Um, and Andretti was close behind well before the light turned green while ev- the rest of the grid waited for the official signal. To the delight of the Italian crowd, um, Villeneuve managed to get past Andretti Jabui stayed in third for Renault, followed by Lauda and Reutemann. However, on lap six, the Renault engine goes and, you know, nothing new. Out front, Villeneuve was still leading Andretti with Lauda in a distant third, but Reutemann was closing in on him. In fifth was Watson, who had recovered from a poor first lap that had put him down all the way in 11th. But right after that, it was announced that Andretti and Villeneuve had obviously jumped the start. But both were given 60-second time penalties, meaning Lauda was effectively leading the race with Watson challenging Reutemann for quote-unquote second. Then the Michelins suffered their usual fate and began to fall off, meaning Reutemann got past Watson and Andretti could get past Villeneuve. And that's how the race finished. Um... Following the penalties, though, Andretti and Villeneuve were demoted all the way down to 6th and 7th. Lauda was given the win ahead of Watson, Reutemann, Lafitte, and Tombe. There was next to no celebrating, even though Andretti, with his single point, secured the world driver's title. Later, after learning about Peterson, he would remark that he would trade his title away to have his friend back. And that's the tragic story of the 1978 Italian Grand Prix. Okay, it's a few weeks later and we're in New York at Watkins Glen for the USA East GP. In the aftermath of Peterson's crash, Patrese was blamed by the other drivers on the grid led by James Hunt. And going into this race, the Formula One Drivers Safety Committee, led by drivers like Hunt, Fittipaldi, Lauda, and Andretti, 
demanded that Patrese was barred entry or they would boycott the race. Patrese was handed a one-race ban for dangerous driving, but later investigations would absolve him of those charges. In the end, to me, it was just really a racing incident, as unfortunate as it was. At Lotus, Chapman was forced to run a second driver and wanted to sign the young Brazilian Nelson Piquet, but Bernie had gotten to him first, putting him under contract for the 79 season. So instead, he went with French driver Jean-Pierre Gerrier, I think is how you say it, (laughs) who had been around since 71, but earlier in the season, he was driving for ATS until Monaco when he got an argument with the owner after not qualifying and was fired for that. So that's interesting. Uh, Not much really of note in qualifying. Andretti claimed Lotus's 11th pole for the season, which at the time was a single season record for a team. Reutemann was in second. Jones qualified in an impressive third for Williams. Villeneuve was in fourth for Ferrari. Lotto was in fifth for Brabham. Hunt was in sixth for McLaren. Watson in seventh for Brabham. Jerrier in his new Lotus was in eighth. Jabui in ninth for Renault. And Lafitte in 10th for Ligier. It's cloudy, but it's dry. And we're going 59 laps around Watkins Glen. No American had ever won at the circuit, and Andretti was trying to do so from pole, and he took the lead, but it was clear there was something wrong without Lotus, as the Ferraris were right behind him, and he was not pulling away in typical Lotus fashion. Jones lost out to Villeneuve at the start, but was holding on to fourth ahead of Lauda and an impressive start from Jerrier to make it up to fifth from eighth. At the front, Andretti's brakes were starting to fade, and on the third lap, Reutemann overtook him, and only a couple corners later, his teammate Villeneuve did the same. Things were already not looking good once again for the Goodyears on home soil. Now, the track was in pretty poor condition after a winter of heavy snow, and it was just tearing through tires. Watson, Lafitte, and Jarrier all had to pit for new tires on only the ninth lap. Out front, the Ferraris pulled a 15-second gap on Andretti, who was now fending off Jones in the Williams for third. He lost that battle on lap 21, and Jones was further rewarded when Villeneuve's engine pulled a Renault and was now in second. Reutemann had a 30-second lead over Jones, who had pulled a gap to third place Lauda, followed by Hunt, Jabui, and Schechter. But on lap 26, Hunt would pit for new tires, Andretti's engine would finally give up, followed almost immediately by Lauda's, whose teammate suffered the same fate only a couple laps earlier. So now, Reutemann led Jones from Jabui, running in the podium places for Renault, followed by Schechter, Tombe, and Jarrier in the second Lotus, who had made a nice recovery after his early pit stop. He made quick work of Tombe and then came up to the back of Schechter and Jabui in the battle for third. Of this trio, the Renault's brakes started to fade, and within the span of a few hundred feet, he fell from third to fifth with Jarrier winning at that battle and going from fifth to third in a very impressive first drive for Lotus. Next on his list was Jones, and it was looking promising until only three laps from the end, he ran out of fuel and was out of the race. That meant Reutemann and his Michelins were triumphant once again in the States, followed by Jones for Williams in his and the Constructors' first podium finish. Schechter rounded out the podium places in third. Chibui came in fourth in his and Renault's first ever points finish. 
as much as I enjoy making fun of all the engines they blow up, credit where credit is due, they're making good progress. In fifth was Fittipaldi, and in sixth, rounding out the points, was Tombay. For my race rating, I'm going with a 5 out of 10. Aside from Andretti falling through the field, the battle for third was kind of exciting, but other than that, it was pretty processional. And for my driver of the day, it's going to Jabui because he actually finished in the Renault. He finished in the points, best ever finish for the team, and uh, only feels right. And that's it for round 15. Only a week later, it's the final round of the season. We're in Montreal for the Canadian Grand Prix and the first race at the, and I'm going to mess this up a bit because it's French, Circuit Il Notre Dame, or how you probably know it now, the Circuit Gilles Villeneuve. For this race, Patrese was reinstated after his one race ban. And going into the last race, although the drivers and constructors titles had been secured, the battle for best of the rest was on between Reutemann and Lauda, who were tied on points for third in the driver's standings, and Brabham was leading Ferrari by only four points for second in the constructors. For qualifying, the Friday practice sessions were wet, so everything came down to a shootout on Saturday. And from that, Jerry Ayer took a very impressive pole for Lotus, followed by Schechter for Wolf in second, Villeneuve for Ferrari at his home race, only about 40 minutes from his hometown. Watson was in fourth for Brabham, Jones in fifth for Williams, Fittipaldi in sixth for Copper Sukar, Lada in seventh for Brabham, Stuck in eighth for Shadow, and Dreddy had a absolutely dreadful time in the wet, struggled to set up his car on Saturday, and was only able to qualify in ninth. Lafitte came in tenth, and all the way in the very last spot of the grid in 22nd, Jabui, after his triumphant points finish at Watkins Glen, finished only a half a tenth ahead of the first eliminated driver. It was dry, it was cold, and we're going 70 laps around the circuit Ile Notre Dame. On a side note, as of recording on uh, October 6th, 2020, This race still holds the record for the coldest F1 race ever at 41 degrees Fahrenheit or 5 degrees Celsius for everyone else in the world. But funny enough, that record has a chance of being broken this weekend at the 2020 German Grand Prix. Anyway, back to this race. Jerrier led from pole with Jones getting a great start from fifth to end the first lap right behind the Lotus, followed by Schechter, Villeneuve, Watson, and Andretti made it up from ninth to sixth after Stuck spun into the path of Fittipaldi, forcing the Brazilian off the track and into the catch fencing. Jerrier was holding his own out front. He pulled a seven second lead in only three laps while Jones... His tires started to fade early, and he was swallowed up by both Schechter and Villeneuve. Further back, Andretti attempted a dive up the inside, a closing gap on Watson. The two collided. They were both able to keep going, but Watson only made it three more laps before retiring, and Andretti ended up a lap down. Lauda followed his Brabham's teammate's lead and retired with failing brakes, handing Ferrari second in the championship on a silver platter. Out front, Jones finally pitted, taking himself out of the leading group, meaning Jerrier had built up a 30-second lead over second-place Schechter, 
who was trying but couldn't even make an impression on that gap, followed by Villeneuve, who was pushing him for second. After a long battle between those two, the Canadian finally got the best of his future teammate, much to the delight of the home crowd. And Jerriere, looking nailed on for his first ever win, he even lapped Andretti, but luck was not on his side. And on lap 49, he was forced to pit and retire with an oil leak, meaning Villeneuve inherited the lead in front of his home crowd. In the final stages, the only other really thing of note was Hunt went out in the mud in his last race for McLaren. Next year, he's going to Wolf, and the current Wolf driver, Schechter, was holding off Reutemann for a second and would be successful in doing so. Villeneuve, in only his 19th race start, took his maiden victory in front of the home crowd, followed by Schechter and Reutemann. Patrese came in fourth, having a clean race after his race ban, which I'm sure helped his rattle confidence. In fifth was Depaye, who had made a good recovery from an early pit stop. And in sixth was Irishman Derek Daly, who took his maiden points finish for the backmarker and sign team. Driver of the day, gotta give it to Jules. Fought past a talented Schechter and took his very first win ahead of the home crowd and was a very much needed wholesome moment for this season. For the race rating, I'm going to give it a six and a half out of 10 for the excitement of knowing and cheering for a driver to get their first win similar to Monza this year, but without uh, much of that drama. Um, and did Renault finish? Yes, actually. Jabui, he was the last classified runner, also the last qualifier, and he finished uh, three laps down which arguably is better than most races this season. And that concludes the final race of the season. From Argentina to Canada, after 16 rounds, the entire driver's standings ended like this. In 19th, all tied on one point was Daly, Brambilla, and Reebok. In 18th on two points was Stuck. In 17th on three points was Jabui. <laughs> in 16th was Regazzoni on four points. In 15th was Peroni on seven points. In 13th was Tambe on eight points, tied with his teammate Hunt on eight points. Patrese and Jones were tied for 11th on 11 points. Fittipaldi and Villeneuve were tied for ninth with 17 points. Lafitte was in eighth with 19 Schechter came in 7th with 24 points, Watson was in 6th with 25, Depaye was in 5th for 34, Lauda was in 4th with 44, Reutemann took best of the rest in 3rd with 48 points, Peterson would posthumously finish 2nd with 51 points behind his teammate Mario Andretti who took the driver's title in 78 on 64 points. For the teams, Ensign came in 14th on one point, Surtees came in 13th on one point, Renault came in 12th on three points, Shadow came in 11th on six points, Arrows beat out the car that they copied 
in 10th with 11 points. Williams was in 9th with 11 points. McLaren was in 8th with 15 points. Fittipaldi came in 7th with 17 points. Ligier came in 6th with 19 points. Wolf was in 5th with 24 points. Tyrrell was in 4th with 38. Brabham was in 3rd with 53 Ferrari took best of the rest in second with 58 and Lotus took the constructor's title of 78 on 86 points. And just some closing thoughts. All in all, I thoroughly enjoyed the season, even if Lotus was pretty dominant. It was a season full of innovation with the tire war, which Goodyear handily won, the Brabham fan car that won its only race and Lotus taking ground effect to a whole new level, which is something that we'll see pretty soon with the 2022 regulations bringing back ground effect and Renault. I'll probably never stop making fun of them, but credit where credit's due. They're the first team that introduced the turbochargers, which is what we see in the current cars. And although they introduced them in 77, 78 is when they started to show their promise and, and really laid the groundwork for the future. But ultimately the season was marred by tragedy and definitely the thing, unfortunately, that will stick with me for the long run. Uh, life is short. Tell people you love them. And that's my one life lesson, I guess. Well, that wraps up the entire 78 season. This was such a fun experience for me, but it took way more time than I thought it would. I probably put in about 20 to 40 hours per episode. So because I work full time for my sanity, I'm going to take a week off try to get ahead a little bit, but I am working on some more exciting things for the future that I'm super excited to tell you about. So thank you for listening to the very first season of Relapped. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe and leave a five-star review. It is greatly, greatly appreciated. You can follow the show on social media at Relapped F1 on Instagram and Twitter. You can follow my personal Twitter at Deanna Relapped, where I tweet about present day F1. And if you have any thoughts, questions, comments, concerns, you can DM me on Twitter or Instagram or email the show at relapsedf one at gmail.com. You can also support the show at patreon.com backslash relapped. That is all from me. And I will see you in two weeks time for the 1979 season intro.